We thank you. We're continuing in our sermon series about King David. Um, you know, we began this series looking at the chapter before this, and you see Nathan calling out David for his horrific sin, and we think things couldn't get any darker. And then you get to this, this chapter. I'll let you go back and read that because we have children and students here. We won't specifically address what happens in that chapter, but again, it's one of the more dark moments in all of Holy Scripture. And so coming off of that, I want to look at not just what we see in David's life, but as we did that first week, we contrasted David's response with Saul. And so we're going to do that this morning with Absalom, but also do something uh, as we close out looking at another person as well. So we're in 2 Samuel chapter 13. And what we see here, um, and, and again, I can't, I'm going to draw you back to some verses earlier in the chapter. What we see in Absalom's life, part of his destruction, comes because of the destructive words, the deceptive words that happen in his life. He allows for some voices. If you'll go back to, uh, and, and you see this previously, we talked about Joab in chapter 3 and, and Hanan in chapter 10, them raising doubts through words. You're going to see how, how, whether it's Amnon or Absalom, the power of words in their life and about the, if they would have just stopped those voices on the front end. I had told you about one of my former students. I'm not going to give his name because he's out there online and I don't want you looking him up and, and following him for amusement because you would be amused. This student was in my youth group for six and a half years. He came in sixth grade when I came there. That youth group went six through 12 and I have a catalog. I could write a book on his life. I've told you before that one time we went to a retreat where they had TVs in the room, but they had turned the TVs off. There wasn't cable, but they knew that before the retreat. So he brought all these spiral graph notebooks, and I thought it was journaling. He ripped up the notebooks and used the metal to make an antenna so he could, as he told me later, I was trying to watch Baywatch. That's the kind of student. This student actually was waited. He rolled my yard one night, and as I cleaned it up, he was waiting down the road in the dark with friends, watching me clean it up. And as soon as I did and went inside, they went right back to it. That's that kid, okay? This is the same kid I told you before when we played laser tag with our youth group. And everybody put in code names in your guns so when you got tagged, you'd know who did it. And so I had a bunch of my people, a bunch of my kids pick wrestler names, all the guys. One guy was Hulk. One guy was Sting. You know what my, my kid picked for his name? Joel. Why? Because there was another kid in our youth group named Joel. So every time he tagged somebody, everybody got mad at Joel and would shoot Joel. And poor Joel didn't do anything. That's this kid. And I saw a couple of years ago on Facebook this quote from that kid. I've been in the battle for my life. On May 30th, I checked myself into a rehab facility for drugs and alcohol. And since then, I've realized I'm a true blue alcoholic. I'm attending AA and changing my life, and that includes people, places, and things. If you care about me and are my friend, respect my decision and do not tempt me. If you do not respect my decision, then you are not my friend and you have no place in my life. I am moving to another city. Again, this there are times we just have to remove ourselves from the voices that would tempt us or destroy us. I'm moving to another city. I am in the fight for my life. 
pray for me. It's been a blessing to speak with him and to pray with him after that, and he's doing well. But that's the picture of this story. You see Amnon, earlier in this chapter, when he does something horrific, part of it becomes, starts with Jonadab, who, who is, if you go back to verse 3, is shrewd or crafty. And you watch his words, and they play Amnon for a fool, and he does something horrific with Tamar. Again, that Hebrew word, shrewd and crafty. My best friend from really age 14 on is a guy whose last, name, whose last name is Kraft. And I called him this week after studying, and I've told him we're done. 40 years of friendship down the drain. His name's Kraft. I can't be a part of people who are crafty. So that's what happens here. It's a bad word typically, not always, but typically in Scripture. From Genesis 3, what does it say about the serpent who tempted? He was clever. He was cunning. Job 5 and 15, God frustrates the devices of the crafty. For the iniquity teaches your mouth, and you choose the tongue of the crafty. Psalm 83.3, they have taken crafty counsel against your people. It was true for Amnon. He listened to a voice that was crafty to let him get his own way. And in Absalom 2, you see him being crafty with his verse, uh, words right here in verse 28. Listen, when he's with wine, wait, wait till Amnon's with wine, and then I'll get him. But let him get let him get with that first, and then you strike him. You kill, as we said a few weeks ago, you kill the Lord's anointed. Part of the royal family, yeah. Just let him get there. And he uses words, if you go back there, he uses words that really are buzzwords. Not just for us, but for them. What does he say to them? Be courageous and be valiant. Where have you heard those words before? Be strong and courageous. It's on every page of Exodus and beyond, or especially in Joshua. That's, that's what Moses gives Joshua. And you hear that phrase, the Lord giving that over and over to the people of God. These would have been words that they would have, they would have known since childhood. Be strong and courageous. So he's playing them with words that would strike them, that would get them. And he's also calling them out. Are you saying you're not? Courageous? Anybody in your childhood or even adulthood do something because somebody prodded you about being chicken? I wonder how many mistakes, how many stitches, how much jail time because somebody said, buck, buck, buck. You been there? Somebody questioned your strength, questioned your your life, and you just, because of those words, you went along. Proverbs says in chapter 2, 16 and 7, 5, it's not just appearance of the adulteress, but it's words that draw in her victim. These men were swayed by the crafty words of Absalom. And, and, and again, 
we'll talk a little bit later about their right to do that. If you go over it later to chapter 15, 4 through 6, he does it again. He uses crafty words to persuade the crowds and to get them, these people who are free, these people who are alive, these people who are under the provision of God and of David, and he turns them against David. He allows other voices in his life when you get to chapter 16 and 17. In chapter 16, I can't say it in this room, but there's some things he does in front of all of Israel how would he do something so graphic? Well, voices. Verse chapter 17, he even gets talked into trying to kill his own father, the King David. I don't know what that is for you. But as, as we go through this scripture, it's a reminder to us to watch what voices are speaking into your life. Every point, it began with a voice. It began with a, a crafty, crafty encouragement. It began with somebody speaking into somebody's life. What is that for you? Is, is, it a, is, it, is it the internet? Is it a coworker that's, that's pushing you on to walk away from what you know is, is true? Is it social media? That's just a picture. Those pictures are voices. What voices are we allowing in our lives that are pushing us to places? And this is horrific. I mean, this is as low as it gets. Um, it reminds us again of the importance of voices and people to guard our hearts, to guard our lives, to make sure we don't do harm. We have to routinely and constantly check the voices in our lives. But it's not just the words of others. We can't just point the finger at others and blame and say, it's those voices that made me do it. It was my older brother who told me to do it. It was my coworker who made me to do it. There's something going on in the heart of Absalom here. And you see pride in his life. It's always the chief part of sin, right, is pride. You see that had to have been a part of that for him to say, you know what? Because of my name, because of who I am, or we're going to see in a minute what I have and possess, I can do these things. Things And it's always a check for us what could be getting in the way, could be puffing us up to where even we would kill the Lord's anointed, part of the royal family. I don't know what that may be for you, but you look at Absalom's life. Let me just say this. I am so glad that 3,000 years later, appearance and body image, we don't worry about those things anymore. We've matured enough that after 3,000 years from this moment, we don't, no, we still struggle with that. You look at his life, chapter, the ne very next chapter, 2 Samuel 14, 25 says, from the sole of his feet to the crown of his head, excuse my language, this boy was hot. There was nobody, but I mean, you go back and you look at the artifacts they have found, you, you go back and look what they have found from that time period, every copy of People's Most Sexiest Man Alive, it was him. It was Absalom for decades. Caught up in that. Caught up maybe in his family line. My wife watched the trailer for The Crown. I think it's season four. There's something attractive that we're drawn to when we talk about royalty. Um, maybe that. I can do whatever I want because of that. Scripture even says about Absalom, I didn't look it up. 
says his hair was worth the weight. If you weighed it out, and so, it was like 200 shekels is what it said. Now listen, I can't talk about hair. I grew up in the 80s. You won't find pictures of me and my prom dates from the 80s on Facebook. And it's not that we don't have those pictures. The hair is too big to be seen on Facebook. You just get a quarter of our faces because the hair was horrible. That's his hair, Absalom. And, and here's something that could have puffed him up. Appearance, royal name, look at my locks. And you know what? Those locks killed him. Just like Samson, if it becomes a place of pride, it becomes a place that becomes center, it can trap you, and it kills him. He gets caught in a tree in battle and dies. Could that be also part of the root of his pride? Look at me, look who I am. It's not just other voices that will make us weak, but could even be things that are gifted to us by God. Talents we're given, strengths we have, but if they're for us instead of God, they can come and steal and rob our vitality and our walk with the Lord. And by the way, whatever Absalom does here, as Renee said so, so correctly, you know it's sin, because as Renee said, if you know you gotta run and hide after you do it, you know it's bad. I mean, that's Genesis 3. As soon as they, they ate of the fruit of the tree, they run and they hide. The same thing happens here in verse 28 and in verse 38. You see that he's doing this, doesn't ask for permission, doesn't go through proper channels. He has to work around to get his way. And after he does that, then he runs and hides. You do that at work? Instead of going to your superior, like, I'll just work this and I'll manipulate this and then lay low and see if what I wanted got its way. You do that in your house. Hey, look, I, I deserve this purchase, so I'm just going to get it. And I'm sure my, my spouse won't notice the, the big bass boat in the driveway or the brand new whatever SUV. We just get our way and manipulate, hide and lay low and hope we just have manipulated and we'll get through He's choosing his own will, himself over David. He doesn't ask permission, and he runs and hides. And here's the deal. He could have asked for blood. We read the Old Testament well, what's happened between Amnon and Tamar. Of course he could have asked for blood, but he gets talked into it, and, 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 or, or excuse me, he talks himself into it and does things in his own crafty way. It leads to Amnon's death, but sadly it ultimately and eventually leads to Absalom's death. What are the voices in your life that need to go, but also let's not miss what's going on in here. Maybe it's a strength or a talent gifted by God in my life, but it's, it's a snare. I'm stumbling over this. I'm getting puffed up over this, and, it, and it's breaking my relationship with God or breaking my relationship with others. One other person quickly that I want us to look at, and I don't know how to pronounce this name. I think you would say it if you go over to 2 Samuel 15, I, go ahead and turn over. I think it's it, Etai is how you would say this. But, but as we look at his words, we talk about the importance of getting rid of certain voices in our life. We also need to look at voices that we need. In 2 Samuel 15, David's being kicked out of Jerusalem by Absalom. And so he and his followers, they're getting out of town. They're leaving with, you know, the Ark of the Covenant behind. And it, you look through that section there in 2 Samuel 15, all these groups are going, including the Gittites and Ettai. And when you get to that, David basically says to him, listen, you've only been with us. You've come from, I think it's Gath. You've come with us. You've only been here in town a day, basically. You just stay here. You're a foreigner and an alien. Just stay here. Don't go with us. We're in trouble. We're running for our lives. 
You just stay. You're not obligated to me. Just stay. Verse 21. This is Ittai's answer to that. As the Lord, as the Lord lives, and as my Lord the King lives, surely wherever my Lord the King may be, whether for death or for life, there also your servant will be. When times are tough, back in our passage and Verse 34, verse 38 for Absalom, he's manipulated his his own way, he's done his own will, he runs and hides. Ittai looks David in the eye, been in town one day and says, wherever you go, I will go. And they go down that mountain, everyone that across the Kidron Valley, this is the same road, by the way, when Jesus has prayed in Gethsemane, and then they come to arrest him, Jesus doesn't have crowds weeping with him. Jesus walks that road alone under his arrest on the way to his trials. This is the same ancient road. Now, this king is leaving. In in Jesus' day, the king of all kings walks that same road. David's leaving with them. They're all weeping together as they go across. He goes over to Gethsemane, gets barefoot, he weeps, he covers his head. But before all that heartbreak... He gets a word. Now, this is bad grammar, but he gets a word with somebody who's been with him in the city for a day who says, I ain't going nowhere. I'm all in with you. It's a beautiful word of encouragement. And you know what's going to happen in 2 Samuel 18 when David finally gets his armies together and it's time to take back what is his? Do you know who leads a third of his army? Ittai. This guy, who, who encouraged me at a, at a needed time. And it's interesting. You know what David says, by the way? You know what David says before that battle? The exact same words. I'm with you guys in this. I'm going with you. Let's go. Now, again, here's the difference of Amnon and Absalom, the hard contrast. David can hear words of correction. We saw it back in chapter 12 when Nathan the prophet calls him out. And here again, they say, King, you can't go out in this battle. Saul died in battle. In just a minute, we're going to find Absalom go out in battle and he's going to die. You stay out, let us do that, and he receives a word. So, again, you just see this repeated theme to allow the wisdom of God and the correction of God to come through others and to listen to that advice and to that counsel. But it's because of, I think, partly because of what Ittai said to him. I'm going wherever you go, David. I'm all in. That David, before that battle, says, let me go with you guys. Not just because he's a fierce warrior. I think it's because he's been encouraged. You got anybody in your life right now that needs that word? You know, I've seen that, and it's it's. See, as, as serious as it is, I've seen that meme or that uh, thing on f- social media where they're, they're gambling and betting on what's next each month in 2020. And, and just the other day it came up, all right, who had two hurricanes for August? You win. Who would have guessed that? All that's on us right now, economic uncertainty, political turmoil, can't be with the people you love. We can't serve or worship, sadly, in the ways we want to. 
all kinds of struggles in homes. I know that, and I want to pray with you and talk with you about that. Some of y'all have been really good to let, let our pastors walk with you through this. If you haven't done that and you need us, call on us. All of that, you know a co-worker needs a word. You know a family member needs a word. You know a stranger needs a word. One sentence before David walks that road, kicked out by his own son under the threat of death, his kingdom, the ark, taken from him, I'm going to go wherever you go. You can't get rid of me. What a word. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good word for us. What are those words that you're allowing people to speak in your life? You're actually standing there and listening to it. We see how it plays out here. What voices need to go today? We need to say today, I'm cutting those voices off. How do we need to check ourselves and say, Lord, I've allowed this possession. I've allowed this talent. I've allowed this job. I've allowed this relationship to puff me up. It's gotten in the way. How do I need to repent of that and turn from that? But this week, how could you be a voice, the voice and encouragement of God for somebody who so desperately needs it? Let's pray about that. Father, as we look at David's life, we again see he is not free from struggle and turmoil. We see the fallout even in his children's lives. I just pray for all of us that by your spirit and in response to your word, we would turn from, from voices that do not lead us to you, that do not lead us to obedience, that do not lead us to your will. Father, I also pray if there's anything within our own hearts and minds that we're holding above you that's ensnaring us, causing us to stumble, we would turn from those things. Holy Spirit, make those things clear to us today. Don't let us walk away from this word without responding to that. But Father, as well, open our eyes uh, to the needs around us and may we be your hands and feet, but also we, may we be your grace and your encouragement. And we give you the thanks for that ministry. It is in your name we pray, uh, Lord Jesus, for the blessing and the help of your kingdom we pray. Amen.